the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 The Answer presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information from the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. I'm getting closer to my house. Call now. 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and of course, you're listening to Eye on Real Estate. And as I told you in the beginning of the show, that wellness communities... Uh, are about a $134 billion real estate industry worldwide. And in North America alone, the market is worth $52.5 billion and is growing by 6.4% annually. And health and wellness is very important now. And we were really lucky to have Steve Nigren, who is the founder of the most successful wellness community. And I'm hoping I'm saying this right. Is it Serenby? Thanks, Daddy. Yes, it's Serenby. Serenby, okay. And your 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 wellness community is known as in North America as one of the the top wellness communities. And I'm not sure if everyone knows exactly because in the beginning of the show we talked about it a little bit. Uh, can you tell us uh, basically about your project, but about the whole concept of the wellness communities? Yes, Daddy, I'd be happy to. Uh, this uh, began as a uh, family farm uh, on the edge of Atlanta where we retreated on weekends uh, when our children were small, and we saw the difference it made in their connection to nature, and we moved full-time when they were 6, 8, and 10. Uh, that was in 94. Um, and then we became concerned about urban sprawl, uh, 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 affecting this, this beautiful area very close to the center of the city of Atlanta. Um, and so we uh, realized that balanced growth was a key uh, using the model of the countryside of England. And we broke ground in 2004, um, and we were at the forefront of a lot of environmental issues. And so it was built with the environmental issues uh, in place, connecting with with, with, with arts and, and, and education and agriculture. So we were leaders in bringing a lot of those issues back into the community. But now here we are a, a decade and a half later with people having lived here since 2005, and the big result is wellness. Um, uh, we have health uh, reports coming out of almost every household. And so when the Global Research um, or the Global Wellness Institute started their research, uh, we kept floating up because we were an example in so many of these issues. And so we were delighted to, to see uh, that they were able to put a real focus on the value 
uh, of this uh, uh, trend now in, in the development. And what we're seeing is that the built environment really is responsible for a lot of the health issues we have today. And we really haven't been looking at it all the way back to the, how the places where we live affects how we feel mentally and uh, then physically. Okay, so we're talking about, when we talk about, and believe me, wellness communities are really on the rise. Um, we're talking about now physically, emotionally, right? I mean, physically, Correct. emotionally, and, and basically, so, so what do you, what, what do you, now you're, you're, you named your Serenity, and I'm, is that named after Serenity or something like that? It, it, well, it, when we started coming to the uh, country regularly and connecting our kids and ourselves back into just the simple uh, joy of, of nature, uh, we found that when we slowed down to simply be, we found a lot of the serenity we had been searching for. And so my wife named uh, the property Serenby, connecting those two words. I got it. Uh, now. And so, and, 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 and our, uh, and, and now where we raised our family, uh, once we moved out of this 1905 uh, house, we have turned that into a country inn now with 29 rooms, so people can experience this uh, uh, for just a weekend without actually living here. Oh, so they can see what it's like and see exactly. if they really they, right. Because some people, you know, probably don't know. Now, you Serenby is 40,000 acres, is it not? Well, for clarity, so we realized that many times when there was a great um, example of a better way to develop, uh, that traditional development would edge into it. If you look at Prairie Crossing or Seaside, they're both good examples of this. And so we stepped back and organized 500 landowners to change the overall zoning uh, using the countryside of England. So what we have done is we will put all development that happens into 30% of the disturbed area, saving 70% for forest, agriculture, wildflower, medicine. Right, so that the environment is... That's right. And this is the only place like this in the United States that, this, that is this large of a mass this close to the urban center. Right, because I mean, you're, with, you're, you're only 30 minutes from the Atlanta airport, if I'm, if I'm correct, right? It, it, it's 25 minutes always and 35 to downtown Atlanta. Yeah. And so at downtown Atlanta, we have the key medical resources, the CDC. Right. We, have, we have cutting-edge sports, retail. So, so you're not, everything. basically for our listeners, what he's saying is you're in a wellness community, but you're close to... You're not like miles away from, from civilization. You're close to the hub in Atlanta, and and you have 300 homes and 600 residents, correct? That that that's right. Well, we're about 700 people now. Somebody new is moving in uh, every week, and so we're we're gradually uh, increasing, increasing. Okay. And, so how do you so provide? I'm curious. Just how does you, so so besides for the landscaping and the and the open spaces, how do you provide serenity and um, wellness is, for people, or, or is it just you, a you know like or would you 
Would you be, what if somebody, I mean, this is kind of a, I don't even know if you legally can do this, but like somebody who wanted to buy there, um, what if they were not, what if they ended up being like somebody who was like a trouble, like somebody who was not calm? <laughs> well, 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 you know, anyone buys here and we have people that come in every way. Not everyone's calm. Everyone comes with their uh, attitudes from wherever they are and their, and their issues. And so we are, we're not about preaching. We're not about saying what people have. We created a great, exciting place to live where, where we, we're a leader in the arts. Uh, uh, the Playbill just named our theater one of the 20 best in the, in, in the United States today. Uh, cutting edge art. We, our farms are pulled right next right. so you have fresh food. People, these all contribute to your physical attitude and beauty. Our street lamps are all commissioned by artists. It's beauty. Now, okay, I heard. What, I just have to because research? we're limited in time because we're gonna have a commercial break soon. So I just have a few quick questions. Now, obviously, it's not for older people. It's for any age, correct? Correct. We have 130 kids here. We have people that are, we have newborns to 90-year-olds. Okay. Now, I, I was reading that there are almost no cars. Is there a reason for that? or? Well, there are cars, but because we're such a walking community, people right. park their cars and they walk. And that's one of the key things to help. We're connecting people to nature and to each other in the way it's built. And now there's lots of research showing that those are the two key things to our mental attitude, which in mental affects your physical. And we have been building places that remove us from both of those for the last several decades. Right. So um, basically, uh, you have alleyways behind the houses, and I heard you have secret tree houses for the children. And a lot of open space where people walk, which is generally, of course, very good for your health. And where I, I would assume, um, and I, and I see some of the newer communities, you know, in, in even urban centers where, uh, they don't have the luxury of having maybe that much space, but they're trying to really put health, things that are healthy in and health food stores and parks and things where people can kind of just be in an environment with less stress. Uh, but yet be able to drive fairly close if they want to really have a lot of action. Do all the homes look the same or are they different? Oh, everything's different. This would remind you of a, of a village uh, 100 years ago in the, in, in the way it's set up. Um, and there's blueberry bushes at each crosswalk, so it's not about agriculture over somewhere. Art and agriculture are integrated into every street, every uh, intersection. Uh, it, it, it's just a completely well, different sense. It sounds, you know, and, and, and I have to say, when I get to Atlanta, I have a good friend that has a big real estate company in Atlanta. I'm going to have to go and stay there because I heard that you're, you have a 25-acre organic farm, three restaurants, a farmer's market, a hotel, a spa, a bookstore, a progressive playhouse recognized by the New York Times, and that's all inclusive in your whole community. So when you think about it, um, and I think this is kind of a, not I think, I know, and Ace, you could speak for this also, it's also a trend that young people want. They want to be by, you know, they want everything around them that they like, right? 
So you have the spa, you have the bookstores, you have restaurants. So you really don't have to go far if you don't want to. Everything is inclusive. We're the best pieces of a city in the country. That's great. And thank you so much. And I'm going to call you uh, when I get to Atlanta to see my friends and to stay there a day or two. And then we'll have you back. But thank you so much and have a really good rest of the weekend. Thanks, Daddy. Look forward to seeing you at Serenby. Good. I will be going there. I need All peace. Right. I need. I you know, know, sometimes when you live in New York, you say, I love New York City. But uh, once in a while, it's good to just uh, ace. Don't you think that more and yep, more, more and more of the younger people looking for, I mean, when I, you know, different types of serenity, but we're communities that are inclusive of things that have everything around. Oh, there's a huge movement. movement like Hudson Dottie, Yards. Like, I mean, even Hudson Yards. Yeah, Yard. I mean, just, just having retail, restaurants, shops, you know, and, and even in wellness, right? Yoga is so big now. Oh, I know. Um, in today's um, society. And, you know, you have spin class and, you know, for me, I'm trying to eat a plant-based diet, right? So I'm always telling you to watch What the Health, remember? Oh, yes. So Ace is on me to watch that show. <laughs> he said, you'll never eat meat again. Exactly. You've exactly. Well, so. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait Joe. Saying, I'm going to so make no him like you. Is that what you're saying? Down. Jerry will have to watch the show. Tell him those. You can say it on the air. The name of the show is, he said, once it's, you watch the, the show. The name of the show is it's, it's What the Health. Um, it's a documentary on Netflix. And it'll show you how people people are actually self caring themselves by eating less meat and eating more um, more greens. You know, so look, it's all it's all what, what you believe in, right? A so steak I'm, I'm trying keeps it, the Jerry. Away. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But Jerry, you should try it. You know, no more no more Palm Steakhouse for you. Okay. Listen, I uh, obviously agree that you should try to strive for a healthier diet. There's just no way that in the summertime when I've got all these steaks on the grill uh, and they're sizzling and th- that you're going to resist one of my delicious steaks. Ace. We'll oh, see. Dottie, Jerry does cook a very, very good steak. So. Yes, I heard. I heard. I well, we'll heard. Try. We'll do and a tofu if I, if steak. if I continue at the rate I'm going, I won't have a house this year for the summer either. Wait um, a minute. It's not going to be ready? It's, oh, wait, please, give us an update on the, on the renovation. No, you yes, see, give us an update, i got to tell you something, and that's why I tell you, first of all, <laughs> and again, I will fault myself for a lot of the errors because I wasn't on top of it. But my builder doesn't get along with the, the architect, doesn't get along with the decorator, doesn't get along. I mean, they know nobody gets along, and then they call me. And they're all fighting. And then they all want control. And I'm like, please, I'm stressed out enough. I can't. I, and then, of course, I took a recommendation from somebody on an, on a uh, architectural designer. And the guy took my money and uh, left the yeah. country. So, oh. so you really can't. Now, this was someone that I, you know, I trust. And, of course, I'm sure the guy did good work. But I think you need to check everybody out and see what their specialty is. And then you've got to put a team together that gets along. Uh, one of the things I always tell you about this show, and that's why I always use Jerry because he's the best legal person I know and Ace is the best finance. But on top of being the best, we're a good team. And to me, when you go in to do anything, whether it's to get a home, whether it's to build a house, whatever, you want the right team. And in medicine, the same thing, you know, you, you, you want, 
You want the team that works together and gets along, and I think that's really important. And Jerry, some I'm not no ace. Somebody asked me, um, and uh, do you think I should take a a thirty year mortgage? Uh, someone told me that not might be not my best option. And again, of course, every case is different. So when would you recommend, since the interest rates are still fairly low, when would you recommend someone taking a a 30-year mortgage rather than a 15? I think, Dottie, you know, you said it best, right, which is, you know, everyone's situation is different. But if you're someone that's a little bit more conservative um, and you want to know what your payment is for the next 30 years, um, then take advantage of the low rates today. You know, 30-year fixed at 4.375 is still a very low rate. It is. Um, it allows you, in comparative to the 15-year fix, it allows you to have a lot of um, a lot of cash flow, more cash flow than now, you Jer- would. Now, hey, so let me ask you something. So, um, if yeah. you take a 50, so you take a 30-year mortgage, a fix, but you can pay it. Yeah. Can't you pay do- can like? Make- can you pay it? Yeah, you can quicker. Pay- yeah. Definitely, there's no there's no penalty in prepaying, but as opposed to a 15 year fix where your monthly payment is a lot larger, it's almost double your payments on a 30 year fix. You're not strapped in every single month knowing that you have to, you know, put in this larger payment. So you have room to do other things. Yeah, well, when I bought my house, when I bought my house in the Hamptons, that's what I did. I took a 30 year mortgage, and whenever I had a little extra cash, and I didn't, it wasn't that I routinely had like a, a formula. Whenever I had a little extra cash, I just threw it in my mortgage, and I threw it in my mortgage, and I threw it in my mortgage, and so um, and it didn't seem like a lot at the time, but believe me, it helps, right? I mean, so yeah, yeah, Dottie, and they say if if you pay one month um, worth of principal additional um, to your yearly payment, um, it can reduce your um, your term by seven years. Okay, so listen to to this. One month. All of our listeners, Ace is giving you some very good information. If you pay, and I guess it's give or take, but it's a round number, but it's pretty close. One month. You, one month extra. of your principal. Um, yep, towards your principal. Towards your principal. Um, so you'd have to state that it's going towards your principal. You might save seven yeah. years of interest rates, correct? Or seven correct, years. Correct. So, yes. Yep. Make sure you tell the bank to apply it towards your principal, or they will apply it towards your interest as well. So yeah, so you have to make- tell them. But little tips like that are good to know and can save you a lot of money also. So anyhow, I told you that I would talk about this, and I, I really, because this happens more than you want to know. Your broker calls you up with an offer on your property, and you're shocked. And then you're angry, and you say, they offered what? Okay. You insulted. What did they offer? Are you kidding me? Now you start yelling at your broker. How could buyers offer so little? I don't want to hear it. Do you know what I paid for this house? Do you know all the things I have in this house? Don't they know how much this house down the street sold for? Um, so before you throw... Now, what happens many times, and, and I think Ace and Jerry could tell you also, is sellers will tell agents, here's my price, and don't bring me any offers less than this amount. Big mistake. Well, first of all, it's against the law. They have to tell you an offer, okay, even if it's a dollar. I, I, New York has to tell you this, but it's a big mistake. Before you throw that offer in the trash, take a deep breath, 
cool down and get some perspective, which we'll tell you after our commercial break. We'll be right back. Take a deep breath. Cool down. Maybe you should be in a wellness center. (laughs) We'll be right back, and we'll tell you how to handle that. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and um, I'm sure that this is, if you've ever sold a house, it's happened to you. Um, You just got an offer, and you're so mad. And you're mad because it's not the offer that you wanted. So first, let me give you uh, a little tip here. Don't be mad at the person that made an offer. What about all the people that went through your house and made no offers? So at least there's an offer. Okay? And that's where you have to start. When you and and please do not tell your broker, do not give me any offer under a certain amount. Okay? Do not, do not tell your broker, do not give me an offer under a certain amount. Because first of all, I think state law, we have to give you all offers, um, even if they're because you could then say, well, you know, maybe I would have taken it if I knew about it. And second of all, before you get angry, know that, that there's a person that wants your home. Obviously, they made an offer. Now, can you negotiate? Can we get them? Can they come up higher? Can they uh, come up with some better terms? And depending, well, that's all possible. Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, but the first thing you shouldn't do is get angry with your friend because I, I hear the people, don't even tell me an offer like that, okay? And that's crazy because a lot of these offers do end up working out. So don't get indignant because um, that's someone who actually likes your house. And I tell people that if when you have your house on the market, if you're not getting any offers, and let's say you've had it on the market a couple of months, that means your price is totally off. There's something totally off. If you're getting offers and they're coming in at a certain price, at least people are interested in buying your house. Maybe the price is off or the terms. So before you uh, fire back with a reply, first of all, I, I always tell a seller that when they have their listing, uh, when they pick their listing broker, hopefully Douglas Elliman, but when they pick their listing broker, that that they leave the, a copy with the listing broker of the comparable properties and what they sold for because you want to have some basis for the price you're asking, okay? And the buyers are pretty astute today also, so they should kind of know what's on the market also. But, you know, you should have what things are going for. This way you have a copy of it and you have a reference. And um, you have to look at, What's the condition of your house? I mean, is it perfect or does it need some work? And maybe they made a lo- no a lower offer because, you know, there's repairs or they, you know, okay, why did they make a low offer? Um, well, they say, well, maybe there's some work that you could do. Maybe you could do some of that work. Maybe you, you could get some of that done. Um, if you have a broker, and I'm going to tell you this, and I really believe this with every breath of me, Good brokers are good negotiators. Don't you think, Jerry? 
Absolutely. It's an imperative part of okay. today's market. The yeah, because a lot of deals blow up when they shouldn't blow up. And that's why I always also talk about attorneys and that you have to use the right attorney because, you know, sometimes egos get in the way and someone gets stuck. And it's not about I win and you lose. It's about a, a double win. So maybe you could, in exchange for the price, maybe you could pay some closing costs or maybe because maybe they're short on maybe they could use a little extra cash and they can you can pay closing costs or maybe um, maybe you need extra time to move in and maybe you could work something out or or you maybe you need some extra time to move out or how badly do you really want to sell right are you on the 10-year plan or the <laughs> okay I mean you really have to think that I mean how badly do you want to sell are you now again? We're not talking about again, depending on the price, because a fifty or a hundred thousand dollars is not a lot of money on a twenty million dollar house, but it's a lot of money on a five hundred thousand dollar house. So let's see how far they're off. Okay, so if it's a you know if it's a, if it's ten thousand dollars off, you know. Sometimes you can work that out. That's why it's important also that they see ACE because maybe there's a way they can get a mortgage. I always tell people when you look for a mortgage, um, look at tell tell ACE, here's what I want to spend. Because sometimes you can qualify for more or there could be a mortgage that can be uh, less money per month, okay, mm-hmm. in, in certain years. Yeah. Uh, does your Does your home... Does your home compare with the other homes that are on the market? Because remember, when you're selling a home, that buyer is going to see other homes in your area that are close to yours. And how does your home stack up? So I always tell people that when you list your house, you should also ask the broker to take you a couple of open houses in your area so you can see what you're up against. But don't throw these buyers away so quickly. Um have your broker sit and see what's important and why they gave a low offer. So what was the reason? They could say, well, because it needed repairs here, here, and there. And maybe you could do them. Or they could say, well, because we really think it's worth this. Uh, that's what we think it's worth. And if you have a, a good CMA and it can support the price, um, then look at the terms. Are they If they're giving you a good down payment, okay, and I always tell buyers and sellers, Terms are very important too. I mean, would I? Would you? Would you rather take a buyer? You have less chance of them not getting a mortgage if they're pre-qualified, or if they're putting a large down payment. Um, is your home in top condition? And I have to tell you, it's just like when you go for a job interview and they tell you, you know, put your best best suit on and mm-hmm. your best your best first impressions. When someone sees a home. If you, I always tell people, prepare your home for sale because their first impression is going to make a difference. So if they see that there's, you know, repairs and there's a few holes there or like uh, the basement, they can see that there was water damage. Um, they might be giving a, a, a lower offer for that. They might be giving a lower offer because if they offer you full price and you say yes right away, what does the buyer then say? Then the buyer thinks maybe they could have gotten it cheaper. Yeah. 
You have to understand when you're negotiating, if you have to put yourself in both people's spots, if you're the buyer and they offer you a number, a full price, and you take it, obviously, then they might say, well, you know what, what if I offered a couple of thousand less? They might have taken that. So sometimes it's a matter of just wanting to try. And if you're a buyer, you know, and then again, look at your competition. If there's a million houses on the market, then you know what? You know, you have to look at what's on the market. How does your house compare that? How quickly do you really want to sell? What are their terms? And if their terms are good, I, you know, and, and you really do want to sell and you have a good broker, you usually, you should be able to negotiate it. But never make the mistake of being angry. Be angry at the ones that didn't make any offer. Right. Okay. And then what happens when you get angry? Buyers, uh, brokers are afraid to show the house because they go, this person's not even flexible. They're going to yell if I even bring in an offer. And you don't want that because part of the skill, and I, and I think um, anyone will tell you, when you're negotiating, it's very hard to negotiate for yourself personally. Like, I'm a good negotiator. I think I'm a great negotiator. But for me, I give the store away. I'm not a good negotiator for myself because it's too personal. So yeah, Most people aren't. You know. No. So before you throw the offer away, let your broker try to negotiate it. And if you're the buyer, you know, it's a give and take. And remember, the best way to negotiate is that two people win. Everyone gives in a little bit. And uh, and if you're getting no offers, see, at least if you're getting offers, people, you're in the ballpark. And then if you start to see a lot of offers come in, I think we had a call last week that called in and he had a lot of offers coming in at the same price. That was less than he wanted. But when you have six offers coming in at a certain number, the market's telling you something. I had a woman that called me a couple of two weeks ago, and she said to me, and it's not even an area that I really handle. And she said to me, "Well, I'm very high end, and uh, you know, I'm asking two million. And I said, "Well, how long has your house been on the market with this broker?" And they said, "Like a year or two." I said, "Well, what are the average high end?" Because I wasn't familiar with the area. What are the average high end homes going for the area? She goes, oh, seven fifty to eight. I said, really? I said, and you're asking two million. <laughs> so she said, yes, but I have blah 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 blah. And I said, look, I'm not the broker because I don't have any. You know, I don't. I don't even have an office there. But chances are, if you have a home that's, you know, maybe you spent two million to build it. But if you're in an area where the highest ends are seven fifty, eight fifty, that's going to be a tough sale. So you have to look at a lot of things, and you have to work with a broker. But never be angry when you get an offer, and never discourage brokers from bringing offers and saying, "I don't want to even hear it," um, because some of the ones that you don't even want to hear end up being deals that go together and are very good offers. Uh, they just have to be negotiated, okay? And make sure that when you do put your house on the market, you really give it, you know, get it, you know, just take the clutter out, keep it, get the windows cleaned. All those things matter. And your agent would sh- should be able to give you some good be- feedback. And um, I think... I could count on my fingers how many deals just happened on the first offer. 
I mean, Jerry, do you do it? I mean, it happens a lot. I mean, that's when you're going to get the most activities in the beginning of your right. marketing. And so. that's, listen, Definitely. well, we're going to talk about that if we have time. When should you take your first offer? But remember, the first three or four weeks you put your home on the market is when you're going to have the most activity. So if you get that offer and it's five weeks later, maybe you should really think about it. We're going to be right back after the break. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. So we were talking about when you get an offer, first of all, be happy that you got an offer. Don't scream and yell at the agent like, why did you bring me such an offer? You received an offer. That means somebody's interested in buying your home. And... Um, Everything is in negotiations, and they typically work best if you have an agent who knows how to negotiate, and you're not that far apart. Um, I would say more than less uh, properties end up with negotiations. But again, if you're and again, you have to look at the market you're in. We're in a market now. If you see that there's hardly any houses or apartments for sale at the at the number that you're looking to spend, and you're a buyer, then maybe you don't want to. Then I would say give a full price offer. But here are some of the times, I th- and then a lot of times if you just put the house on the market, and as Jerry, I think Jerry said before, the first three or four weeks is when you're going to get the most activity. So sometimes if you get an offer right away and it's not exactly what you want, you don't want to accept it. You say, well, let me just wait. I just put the house on the market. So here are some of the times, and please, Ace and Jerry Chirpin or if anyone has any other advice but here's times when i think that someone should take the first offer um timing is everything so if your home is on the market too long people will assume there's something wrong with it so even if it's a simple matter of asking you know too much at first it's it's hard to start interest when the when you've had it on the market a long time so if it's on the market a long time and you get it finally get an offer, you might want to consider it. Um, Because as we said, the first three weeks are usually the most active that the property will have. Beyond that, you're likely to start seeing dwindling interest. If you get an offer in the early days of putting your home on the market, as I said before, it's important to consider it because playing the waiting game can easily backfire once the listing is deemed older. And sometimes your best offer comes first. And I can understand because if you're the seller, you're like, well, I'm asking X, and this is a little less than I wanted, and I've only had the market. I've only put it on the market two days. I'll just wait. And sometimes they never get an offer like that again, or sometimes they don't get terms like that. So you have to look at how close it is, um, and what the terms are. If they're good terms, meaning how much cash. When it's an all cash offer now. If it's an all-cash offer, I would say that, you know, that wouldn't mean that I'd give my house away. But if you get an offer and it's all cash and it's not exactly what you want but it's close, you know that you don't have to worry about an appraisal from the bank. Uh, And you know that there's no contingencies, basically, uh, so that really there's no – I mean, your house is sold. If you get an all-cash offer – 
your house is sold. Uh, so, you know, that's it. You're done. And if you want to move on to your next life or your next thing, it's it's sometimes good to, uh, if you get a cash offer, I would take a few dollars less to have an all cash offer, frankly. And uh, if not, I'd want that ACE has given me a, a, a pre-qual- something that's pre-qualified. Um, when you've got a limited buyer pool, if you have a certain kind of home that's kind of uh, not, you know, not not good for everyone, it's just very specific. It's not, you know, something. Well, if you have a limited buyer pool and you finally get an offer, uh, maybe you really should consider it. I mean, there's no hard rule, but just remember something: always be open. Look at your circumstances. Look at what's on the market. Look at how many buyers you've had come through your home. Because so, so Dottie, I've, I've been actually buying and selling for, for quite some time now. And um, as a seller, I've been on both ends of, of the spectrum, right? So I've been um, in a situation where I received an offer really quickly. And I've also been in, in a situation where I, haven't, um, I didn't see offers uh, very quickly. And I can tell you, if you do get an offer... Nine out of ten times, the first offer that you do get, and this is from experience, um, it's probably one of your best offers, okay? So um, I have to tell you, you know, there's been so many times, too, myself, where I've been in that situation where I got an offer really, really quick, and in my and psychologically, I'm always thinking, is there something else out there that's better, you know? But nine out of ten times, when you look back at the statistics, the first offer that you get, Usually is the best offer because you have a very motivated buyer that's willing to make an offer right away once they see your home. And to Dottie's point, the first three weeks are the most active, and you really have to look at the terms. And, and, and look, in this marketplace, especially when you, when you get that first offer, it means that your realtor is doing something right. It doesn't exactly. mean that they price low. Doesn't mean that you know you're you're losing out on 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 appreciation that you think you would have if you get an offer right away. They're doing something right, and I would advise all of our listeners: if you are a seller, really, really consider that first offer that's coming right. in. And if it comes in so many folks, right, and yeah. if it comes in too low, don't tell the broker. I don't want to hear it. Come exactly. let, hear all offers, and then you probably or possibly can negotiate it up. But do not tell. I don't want to hear any offers under this price. Don't even bother me. And I hear brokers say don't that all the time. They go, oh, my seller doesn't want to hear the offer. That could be the offer of the person that buys your home. Okay, Trust so me. don't do Six that. Months, eight months later, when your price drops, you're going to be you're going to be hoping that you took that offer. So definitely. Yeah. Definitely heed Dottie's advice in, in terms of, you know, not writing it off. So Yeah, at least listen. That's at least listen and try to have a negotiation. The worst that can happen is it doesn't work out. But to limit and say, I don't want to hear any offers less than this, I think is crazy. Uh let me take a quick question from Felicia. Hi Felicia. Oh, Dottie, I love your program. You're so knowledgeable. Uh, Thank I you. live in a town full of very competent brokers. Uh, I can tell by the press. They're really good. Short of knowing each one's record, you don't know. But I will say this. Uh, there's a broker, one of the top ones lives on my block a, f- a few doors away. Not particularly friendly over the many years. Just hello. She knows the properties, obviously, but so do the other gals. So h- how will I know which one to choose or who to choose? Okay, so your next-door neighbor is an agent? 
Uh, next to next door, yes, and one of the supposedly one of the top ones. But we have a town full of very good agents, supposedly. Okay, and does she live in a home similar to yours, or not? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, she does. Uh, well, I would interview them first of all. I would interview them all. The, you know, I would interview two or three of them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would tend to first of all want to make sure I had a good rapport with somebody. Okay, uh, because I think that that matters. I would see what she sold in your area, and I'm assuming if she lives next door, she's going to be a an advocate of the area. Because why would you know when she's taking out a customer, she can say, "Well, I live here. I I believe in this area." So I think that's a plus that yeah. she lives next door to you. Um, and I would see what they've sold in your area, and then I would ask her for what, not what you really want to hear, and not that it's a science, but I would want to see a marketing plan of how she's going to market the property. But I but I think that if she's a top broker and she lives close to you, yeah, yeah. I, I think that could be an advantage because then she's not when she has a buyer, she's going to be able to say, "Hey, I believe in this area. I live here." Uh, I think that could be a plus, but if I didn't have a good rapport with her or she didn't sell anything in the area, then I, I, you know, so I would interview her, but I would interview like two others. Oh, that's that's great. That's great wisdom, Dottie. Thank you. I, I love your program. Thank you so much, Felicia, and have a great weekend. Thank you. Same to you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Don't you think that? I mean, do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, you know, maybe the not so friendly over the years doesn't mean, you know, she's not a good broker. Um, and perhaps she's just shy in the beginning, but she's engaging and good at what she does. So, yeah, that's what really counts, right? Yeah. Uh, what that that's what really counts. So we were talking about when to when to take the offers, and if you have a limited buying pool, and if you're pressed for time, and what if you bought another house? Well, then obviously, if you bought yeah. another house, <laughs> gotta get moving. <laughs> yeah, you you gotta get moving, and. I have to tell you, it, it's tricky because I, I I think that if somebody really wants something and they can qualify, and that's really also what you want to know, because a guy can make a great offer and then they don't they don't have the down payment or they have bad credit. So price isn't everything. So what you should do is have the broker. Present the offer. I would want to know how much they're putting down. Were they pre-qualified and by who? Um, you might you want to make sure they have a credit check, and you then want to find out how. When would they be willing to move in? And again, based on your time frame, that has to work. And then, if the price is too low, you can always counter. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, no, when, in some cultures, Dottie, we've talked about before, you know, it's cultural to start very low. It doesn't mean they're not going to get up to your price. It's just a cultural thing in how they were taught when they were children to negotiate. So, yeah. I had a friend that was buying a pied-a-terre not too long, maybe a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And she was driving me crazy. So I finally said, look, I use reverse. She, I said, this is... What we got it to, you know, there was a negotiation. This is what we got it to. And this 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 apartment was not renovated. So I had comps of the same apartments in that building renovated that when renovated went for 20000 more than this person was selling for it. Mm-hmm. And this girl happened to have a brother who was a contractor 
So she could probably get it done for a lot cheaper. You understand? Right. right. So after a while, she's like, yeah, well, um, you know. And I said, well, then walk away. Somebody else will buy it. Right. Okay. Right. And then I said to the listing broker, he said, well, I have a million buyers. And I said, well, then get one of your million buyers. I'll sell her something else. And do you want to know what happened? What? Oh, three or four days later, the deal happened. Then they both gave in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they're both very happy they did the deal. There you go. Um, We'll talk next week about, because I didn't get to the new construction, and we'll talk about the final steps and closings, what, what you should know before you close on a house and before you actually uh, sign the papers over. Um, have a good Super Bowl weekend, even if you don't like football. <laughs> okay? But I think most people will be a, you'll, But even if you don't like it, go to a party and just don't watch the game, just hang out and talk. We'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.